Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local. TelegraphLocal.com the web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, Come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free news headquarters. Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome. Today is 7.22, bright and early at 10 a.m. in the middle of the country. Welcome to Politics Weekly Special Broadcast. It's a very special broadcast today because we have a very, very special guest joining us. A guest that, well, he's a household name. He doesn't really need any introduction because of who he is, but we'll do it anyway, well, because we need to. Um, Michael Medved is host of the Michael Medved Show, a show that's been on the air for, for a long, long, long time. Um, I know that my family has listened to him forever. It's actually syndicated on KTTH in Seattle. But more importantly, let's go over and above him just having a talk show. Mr. Medved's also a writer who's penned, last count, almost two dozen books, all of them very well-known books. Medved's a movie critic who has uh, who is still active to this day. He probably does two or three movies a week. Um, that he critiques, as well as countless movies in the past. He is a graduate of San Francisco State. He is a graduate of Yale University and also attended Yale Law School. So we have him coming on to join us in just a minute or two because we want to to talk to him. We want uh, to get some answers from him. We want to hear about his new book coming out. But we also have some pretty heavy topics. We're going to talk about the fall of the nuclear family in African-American communities and what it's done as a whole, and you know, we've talked about numbers like this on this show in the past, the, the over 70% of households are lacking a father figure in African-American households. Um, there's a, what, a 50% graduation rate for Af- among African-Americans with the education system. We're also gonna go into the Democratic Party's leadership in major cities, their failure to, to, to lead their cities through a, a pandemic of violence and uh, race issues, as well as the pandemic, and everyone else, everyone wants to blame Donald Trump, but it's not Donald Trump's fault when you can't control your own city. There comes a time for personal accountability, 
when are you going to be the one that actually steps up to the plate, admits you screwed up, and move on in a manner that actually positively affects your community at large? Uh, there has been just yesterday in Chicago alone, there was a shooting at a during a, a funeral memorial. I believe 14 were injured. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the upcoming presidential election, the polls, whether polls are trustworthy these days or if they're not. I, I for one, got to be honest with you, I don't trust them. You know, it was funny. Last uh, last election cycle in 2016, Trump was down by three points, but yet he won by millions of votes. And it's not whether or not you like Donald Trump. I'm not a huge Trump fan. I've said that many times on the show. I am a well, was a Democrat for many years, my pretty much my entire adult life, and I voted Democrat. Uh, I don't think this time I'm going to do that because I don't think he's getting a fair deal at all. I don't think in a second Joe Biden is leading Donald Trump by by 10 points, I think the latest poll showed. I think that's an insane number. I think that that number is very skewed, um, and I think it's something that we all need to be aware of. It's just not accurate. But in the meantime, let's get on to uh, to welcome our our guest for the day, Michael Medved. Michael, are you there? I certainly am. Glad to speak with you. Hey, glad to speak with you. Look, thanks a lot for coming on the show today. I, I know that I've listened to you for years. My family has listened to you for years. We had your books in my home growing up. Um, so you're very well known uh, amongst my family and friends of family. And I know about you know four or five million other people get to hear your your words your words of wisdom every single day. Uh, on the Michael Medved Show on KTTH in Seattle. Um, so thanks again for, for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners are going to love hearing what you have to say today. I appreciate it. And it's Seattle and across the country on a bunch of stations. And uh, people can find it at michaelmedved.com. That's just uh, the shameless plug that's necessary. You understand these things. The, the, the shame you can have, you can have, we'll have another plug for you about your new book coming, coming out very soon here in, in a few minutes. But, you know, um, I know we had some, some scheduling issues, so I'm glad this finally came through for us. Um, so I guess my, my first question to you is, and, you know, I, I know there's a lot that you agree and don't agree on, and that's why I was so eager to have you on, because I love hearing other people's opinions, because sometimes I'm wrong, or sometimes our listeners may not hear it the correct way, and, and they may have a, a skewed uh, perception of, of what, how to think about the, the political climate right now, which I'm sure we can all agree is, is crazy. It's insane. Uh, yes, I certainly agree with that. Uh, uh, politics in America is toxic in a way that it doesn't need to be. And people say this all the time, that we're a divided nation and uh, uh, we, we aren't civil and we aren't constructive. It's never quite been like this, except, of course, at the time of the Civil War. I mean, it used to be comparing this to 1968. 1968 was horrible. But the, the difference was there were people who were really enthusiastic about one candidate or another in 1968. Uh, there were people who really did believe, as, as I did at the time, that Robert Kennedy, who was running for president, would make a real difference and take the country in the direction that, at the time, uh, we thought it needed to go. Uh, right now, I think the American people look at both of these candidates, and there really are only two of them, and <laughs> really... Really? This is the best we've got? Uh, it's, it, it's appalling. And I know there are polls that show that there, there is a large group of people who really do think President Trump is the greatest president we've ever had. 
but I think that's a very, very rapidly diminishing segment of the population. And I think that's simply an impossible case to make at this point. I don't disagree, and, and I'll be honest with you. I, uh, until recently, was a Democrat. I've been a Democrat my entire life. Um, I come from a traditional blue-collar Democrat family. But one of the turnoffs I've had this go-around is just seeing the links that I feel the Democrat Party has gone to to try to gain control. I think the riots and looting are, are absurd and disgusting. I mean, it's caused more damage. I, I think that the rioting and looting has caused more damage to African-American families than Donald Trump ever has. And just a few without, without question, without question. And and if President Trump pulls it out and wins this election, it will be because of the extreme left, because of the the ongoing riots and the defund the police. Most Americans uh, like the police and understand that, that our lives can, can only function. You, you literally could not function without a police department in your locality. Otherwise, uh, you honestly are living a nightmare. And well, it's, it's, you're the, right. It's, it's, it, it's, it, you can't have a, 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 a society without police. I mean, no society would exist. Correct. And, and this is why, by the way, and um, uh, people should be aware of this. I, I just uh, wrote a piece for USA Today that I think is Supposed to be in the paper on Friday um, about uh, Joe Biden's vice presidential choice. He really does need to choose Representative Val Demings of of uh, Florida because uh, she has a unique qualification to heal this painful breach that we have in the country right now between the black community and law enforcement. She was a cop for 27 years. Uh, she met her husband on the police force in Orlando. They've been married for 32 years. He was former chief of police in Orlando. She was former chief of police in Orlando. He was also former sheriff. So the fact that she is a black cop is absolutely crucial for stopping this nonsense that we hear out there that somehow uh, the uh, black people are oppressed by police departments. Actually, police departments and decent policing and responsible policing are, are essential to uh, living in any kind of urban neighborhood, but particularly for the black community. It's been so overwhelmingly victimized by violent crime. Um, I, I agree. I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I'm a math guy. I like numbers. I think numbers are very, uh, very true. And they paint a, a, a picture that some people may not want to hear sometimes. But numbers don't lie. I think uh, the, FI, the FBI statistics last year showed nine armed African-Americans being shot and killed by police. Out of those, I think seven were considered justified and the other two weren't. And the cops were prosecuted. Now, those numbers may be one or two off. But if you think about that, that well, doesn't mean that, but just to correct you, just to correct you for a moment, you're talking about unarmed. If you talk about armed suspects, it's it's a larger number. It's about 250 armed suspects. Yes, that includes armed suspects. What you're talking about is unarmed, because almost always uh, when police encounter suspects, whether the suspects are white or black or Latino, whatever they are. Uh, it's okay. Nothing bad is going to happen unless the suspect is armed. And when the suspect is armed, of course, police are right to fear for their lives. I, I agree. But even even with those numbers, it, it 
fails to show that the police are driving around in cruisers with 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 trigger happy you know nine millimeters on their side waiting to shoot African Americans. It's just it's just not true. It, it is absolutely not true. I mean, one of the things, and I've written about this in uh, in my book Right Turns, which is about how I went from being a punk liberal activist to being a lovable conservative curmudgeon. And uh, in Right Turns, I talk about this job that I got after I had been working in politics as a speechwriter. It was after law school. And I got a job working for a, a consortium of police departments in the Bay Area in California, San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, and Richmond, California police departments, uh, doing minority recruiting. And it was a fascinating job for two years. But I got to know a lot of black cops. And these are some of the finest people in America. It's one of the reasons I'm so enthusiastic about uh, Congresswoman uh, Demings. Uh, that, and, and frankly, if you talk to black cops about the pain that they feel right now about police being the target when, when actually it's these criminal gangs – and the the recidivism, I mean, the idea that you're going to help make neighborhoods safer by letting people out of jail who are there for hideous, violent, violent crimes, well, it's ridiculous. this kind of stuff is nuts. Yeah, I think that's what's helping Donald Trump. I think people, even conservative or even, even, even liberals are seeing this and saying, hey, if we elect uh, Joe Biden, is this what we're going to get for the next eight years, 48 years of our life? And I think it scares the hell out of people. I think you're entirely correct, and it's why Biden has to be Biden has to be unequivocal about a number of things. And the main one is that he is not anti-police. And if if uh, if this election comes down to a referendum, how do you feel about policing? Do we need more support for our police, or do we need to undermine our police? Uh, the pro-police side will win, and it won't be close. Well, to get – I don't know, to get Joe Biden to – you know, my frustration with Biden, and I, I'm not totally against Joe Biden, but I, two things. He's been in public policy for over 40 years and has done nothing except passing his crime bill, which actually hurt the African-American community. And I feel like he's going to be a puppet. You know, I've, I've, I've watched his, his, his talks or his, his platform, and I just, I'm not impressed. There's nothing that impresses me about him. What's, what is he going to do different that he hasn't had a chance to do different in his entire career? Well, first of all, it, it's, it's a different job being president and being U.S. senator. And I have all kinds of reservations about Joe Biden myself. The one thing that I think we're going to disagree on is the 1994 crime bill is, uh, is not something that Joe Biden should apologize for. And it didn't hurt the black community. It helped the black community. And people should not believe the Bernie Sanders propaganda on this. Nothing has helped the black community in this country more than the historic decline in criminality and in violent crime that occurred in this country between 1995 and just two years ago. And it was because of tougher policing and longer sentencing and putting bad guys away. It used to be there was this American consensus for three strikes, you're out. That if you've done violent crime again and again and again, goodbye you are not fit for civil society. And, and frankly, the hundreds of thousands, and it literally is hundreds of thousands, of black lives that matter, that have been saved because of better policing, 
is the great untold story of this election cycle. And it's a story that needs to be told. Okay. Um, so I guess we have a couple questions to answer here that, that we brought up um, before you came on. So I want to give those knock out real quick. Um, the fall of the, of the nuclear family in African-American communities, do you agree or disagree that not having a nuclear family hurts children growing up? Um, and do you feel as though there's some way to, to fix that, to address it, and if it's important to do so? I, yes and yes and yes. Uh, the, the difficulty is it's not just the African-American community. Uh, you now have um, – it's over a third of uh, children of non-black parents, if you count uh, uh, Latinos and whites who are similarly situated. But uh, for, for white families, there are tons and tons and tons, and again, approaching a third of all babies who are born out of wedlock. And there is no doubt in the, uh, the empirical data about what that means. That means that you have a child who comes into the world in an out-of-wedlock family who is less likely to succeed in school, more likely to do drugs, more likely to commit suicide, more likely to be involved in criminal behavior, less likely to succeed by any measure. And this is something that, that liberals, smart liberals, have understood for a long time. It's a woman named Isabel Sawhill at Brookings Institution who um, had a three-point anti-poverty program. And literally 99% of people who follow these three guidelines will not, after the age of 30, be in poverty. They will be out of poverty. They'll escape it. And the three guidelines are uh, to graduate from high school. <laughs> it's kind of basic. You're, you're in trouble if you don't graduate from high school or get a GED. That's number one. Number two is to wait to have children until you're married. And, yes, it works like magic. And number three is to uh, go no more than six months unemployed. Now, if you do that, 99% of people who follow those guidelines are not going to be in poverty after age 30. So, in other words, the, the simple traditional values that I was raised on, and, you know, I, I'm only 42, but at the same time, it seems like traditional values in the last 20 years have just disappeared. Like, like it's okay to, to not be married and have kids. And I don't know if I agree or disagree with that. I think two responsible adults should be able to make that choice. But at the same time, you're still going to have unmarried couples with kids. Um, I mean, do you feel that way with long-term couples? If a couple's together five years and they just don't want to get married to have children? Or do you think that they should always be married? It's not a question of what, what I think. It's a question of what the evidence shows, what the data show. And the data show that there is a big difference between raising children in a long-term partnership or raising children in a married couple. The, the point is that when you get married, uh, you have a new default position that you've set. In other words, every time your computer goes back, it comes back to married. If you're not married, there is a constant question of decisions. What, what am I doing? In, and, and the point is that marriage is so normal. It's been so much a part of civilization for such a long time that um, you have I 
Michael Medved's call dropped. Well, that stinks. So we have we have actually dropped Michael's call. We we lost communication with Michael. Hopefully he joins us here soon in a second. But until that, let's go over some of the stuff he talked about. He brought up the traditional uh, married family uh, about the mindset of being married um, and having having those decisions taken away because your default programming comes back to being married. And I think he's 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 spot on with that. You know, I I, I know a lot of friends who are who have kids who are not married. Um, I know a lot of friends who have kids who are married, but I also know a lot of friends who have kids that have recently gotten divorced. So I, I'm not sure if that whole being married uh, mindset is really as strong as it used to be because, you know, let's face it, divorce in this country is at a And that's kind of scary. If you look at the the broad side of that, um, what if getting what if marriage rates go to sixty or seven or or, or divorce rates go to sixty or seventy percent? What happens then, or eighty percent? Or what if we wake up society one day and decide marriage just isn't necessary anymore uh, to have a family? So I, I don't know. I like what he had to say, and he's actually back. I think I'm I'm back. Did there you go. You are, actually, you are actually back. I'm not sure what happened there, but we lost you for a few seconds. But let's um, so let's take that chance to move on for a little, little bit. So, um, New York City, Chicago, uh, L.A., San Francisco, all having huge spikes in crime. Um, they all happen to also be run by by Democrats and have been for quite a long time. Do you feel that the Democrat Party leadership in these major cities has has failed their their constituents? Yes, and they've been failing for a long time. I mean, I I I would relate this uh, very much to the homeless issue, what is called the homeless issue, which is really an issue of mental illness and drug addiction and transience and just the breakdown of uh, basically any, anything, any sort of order at all. And I, I hesitate to, to use the term law and order because – Um, It has all kinds of pejorative associations with many people. But the truth of the matter is, if you are running a city where there are massive encampments of people who are down-and-outers, who can't take care of themselves, who are defecating in in public and trashing our public parks, and then you are encouraging criminality. And sooner or later... Uh, it's going to soar. This is the whole essence of what James Q. Wilson of, at Harvard years ago called the broken windows effect. If you have a, a neighborhood where there's graffiti and broken windows and a lot of, of people in drug-induced stupors lying on the streets in their own filth, then it's an advertisement to the whole world that there is no order here. This is chaos. Anything goes. And the problem with Chicago and the killings in Chicago is I saw that last weekend they had a total of 60 shootings in Chicago, and they had picked up zero suspects. None. They had 14, 14 yesterday alone at a funeral procession. Yeah, which is – well, they did pick up, I think, two or three suspects from that. But the, the problem is crime without consequences, of course, feeds more crime. So do I think that – the leadership of people like Lori Lightfoot or our mayor in Seattle, uh, Jenny Durkin, or Mayor de Blasio in New York, we have a crop of mayors 
right now across the country that are about as pathetic as at any time that I can remember in a long life. And uh, um, uh, Eric Garcetti in L.A. may be the the least embarrassing of them. But (laughs) if you look around the country, I mean everywhere. Walsh in Boston is also not entirely terrible. But the the rest of these guys in New York and, and Chicago and uh, Cleveland and uh, San Francisco, heaven knows, and uh, and and then Portland and Seattle and Ch- I, I mean, forget about it. It seems to me it, what thing was frustrating is they're they're not blind. They're obviously they're they're mayors. They didn't get there by being ignorant, but they refuse to admit. Hey, you know what? I've made some bad policy choices, and it's time for me to correct that. This is what we're going to do to fix the violence in our city. It seems to me like especially Chicago, like she just doesn't care one way or the other. Like, she, if she stops crime, she's not going to get reelected. And it seems to me it should be the opposite. If you don't stop the crime, you're not going to get elected. Right, I think you're entirely correct. And, look, it's, it's basically, when you look at some of these anti-police protests, um, there is a crucial issue here, which is the, the right of individuals to be safe and secure in their own homes, the right of individuals to be able to go to work uh, knowing I'm going to come home and, and, and not be killed, the, the right of kids to go to a playground and not be shot. And on this one, the police are not the problem. The police are the only solution to the problem. And, uh, again, I do know that the Biden campaign is thinking about this because uh, right now he has actually formally called for more funding for police. Uh, and at the same time, he says, well, but we'll use some of those funds for new programs of social work, et cetera, et cetera. He's got to be unequivocal. Uh, no defund the police, refund the police. And that's not refund, like give them money back. It's like uh, uh, create more levels of funding that are appropriate to the magnitude of the crisis we're facing. I agree. So you have a new book coming out. Uh, out the, I mean, the, the, the what almost two dozen that you've written. And when? What's the name of that book? When's it coming out? And give us a, a brief uh, run over what it what, what's going to be inside of those pages. Sure, it's it's could hardly be more pertinent. It's coming out in paperback, and uh, the paperback edition uh, of uh, call, the book is called God's Hand on America. And it's part of a two-part series. The previous book was called The American Miracle. And these two books tell the story about uh, Providence working in American history. And here, I'm not asking people to believe me or to believe any religious teacher. Just believe the people who have led this country from uh, George Washington through Abraham Lincoln and Theodore Roosevelt and Franklin Roosevelt and, uh, uh, yes, even John Kennedy and Barack Obama, it, it has become increasingly obvious, it seems to me, to American leaders that this country is different. It's not just an accident. It didn't just happen randomly. And God's Hand on America, actually, there's a large chapter about Dr. King and his life and ministry and his prophetic role uh, but it, the new book goes back to starts with the night of Lincoln's assassination, where a number of other truly crucial events occurred, uh, and takes the course of American history, 
and tries to understand, as I think all Americans should, uh, what it is that a higher power has in mind. There's a quote that I love, and it's not from an American, it's from a German, uh, Otto von Bismarck, the Iron Chancellor, who said it is a job of any great statesman to listen for God's footsteps in history and then to grab his coattails and hang on. I, I wish that President Trump would take that advice. Yeah, I hear you. So uh, one more thing before we get you off today. Um, so I know that you are a movie critic. What is the last um, movie that you had a hand in um, uh, giving your advice about? Well, the the last film that – I mean, I, I review uh, Total. We do uh, Medved Entertainment Minutes uh, and five a week. So it's it's a lot of material. But the last film that I've been really enthusiastic about has been Greyhound with Tom Hanks, and which is a great World War II movie, and it's uh, streaming everywhere on Apple TV+. And it's really worth seeing. Uh, it's, it's based on a novel from 1955 by C.S. Forster, the same guy who wrote those Horatio Hornblower books that people love. And it's the story of a convoy in 1942, a convoy of American troops in 1942 and um, supplies to Britain, which is fighting for its life against the Nazis, obviously, and going through that mid-Atlantic uh, area known as the Pit, and was, where there are Nazi submarines just waiting to blow these ships to smithereens. It's an exciting film. It's beautifully done, and Tom Hanks wrote the screenplay and deserves an Oscar nomination for it. Yeah, well, I definitely, I definitely plan on watching. I don't have Apple TV, but my girlfriend does, so I think we're gonna have a, a movie night coming up because I love Tom Hanks. She loves Tom Hanks, and I think her favorite Tom Hanks film was uh, the what was it one a few years ago where he played in the um, he was a spy or a, a just a businessman who was oh, yeah, chosen to be a spy. spies. Bridge yeah, Bridge of Spies. That was definitely my all-time favorite Hanks movie. He he nails it. Pretty well, much every role. There's so many. This one will, of course, recall his role in Saving Private Ryan, which I think is one of the great movies ever made. And uh, the the thing about Tom Hanks, people don't remember. Did you, did you ever see any of uh, that John Adams series on TV, the seven-part series? Yeah, I've seen every single episode. Great series. Yeah, Tom Hanks produced it. Yeah, no, the, the, the guy has really made some real contributions, and I think that John Adams series is one of them, and the new movie Greyhound is another. Yeah, he's come a long way since the days of Big, hadn't he? <laughs> yeah, man, though Big was a pretty cool movie, too. The interesting thing about Greyhound is um, the, the, the novel that it's based on is called The Good Shepherd, and the character in the novel is deeply religious, he prays in the midst of battle, he prays over his food, he prays when he goes to bed. All of that is shown in the movie. And it is a very sympathetic to uh, religious believers, and I think that people will find it refreshing. Glad to hear it, glad to hear it. Well, um, we are here today with the great Michael Medved, and Michael, I can't uh, say how much we appreciate you coming on and, and Giving us some uh, some Medved knowledge, you can find him at michaelmedved.com, K T T H in Seattle, which is also syndicated throughout the country. 
uh, on a daily. Are you Monday through Friday, or are you seven days a week? And Monday through a Friday, yes, sir. We are we are on live, and people can just uh, click on the internet and get it live. Um, at from uh, at, uh, Chicago time, we're on from uh, uh, two to five. Two to five PM Central Time. Great. Well, thanks again for joining us. Hopefully, we can have you on sometime in the future to talk about more of this political stuff as it gets uh, a little more heated up over the next few months. Look forward. Good luck with the podcast and everything else, Bart. And uh, stay safe and secure and healthy. Thanks, sir. Take care. So we had it. You heard it straight from the horse's mouth. The great Michael Medved, who is a legend in some circles, probably more than um, more than you would understand. And he has been around a long time. I loved uh, what he had to say. I think it makes perfect sense. And there was a little bit of disagreement, and it went, um, I'm glad. I'm glad. It's important. Something we don't have anymore is the ability to disagree and still get along and respect the other person. I think it's gone through the wayside. I think it's gone down the toilet. And if we want political um, peace to come back, that's got to be the first thing. I agree with what he had to say about the police right now are the only solution in these major cities that are Democrat-held. And why in the world can't these Democrat mayors set up, stand up, and admit that they did something wrong and that they're going to fix it? Baffles me. It seems to me that I wouldn't want to vote for uh, a mayor that uh, offers uh, an environment to where if I'm walking down the street one day, I, I may get shot and killed over $10 in my wallet or just because some criminal feels like it or maybe caught in the cross, crossfire or in the wrong place at the wrong time. But anyway, that's all we have for today's special edition of Politics Weekly. Um, we will be back on Friday, and uh, also check us out on our new podcast, Catching Hell. Catching Hell is about serial killers throughout um, time and throughout uh, the United States. We will be interviewing different authors on different days, uh, and we start today at 3 p.m. Central Time, which we'll have our first author on. You can find the link to that podcast on telegraphlocal.com on the sidebar. You can also find the link to this podcast and article written about this podcast on telegraphlocal.com on the sidebar and also in the main content area. Until next time, guys, stay safe out there. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.